Well, hello, and here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the Spiritual Spiral. A little housekeeping, if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, give it a five-star, write a review. Head over to IamEddieCone.com. You can get on my mailing list or my newsletter. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at EddieCone or Twitter at EddieCone. Say hello, any questions. I'm also going to be putting together a a bi-weekly newsletter as well. So you can find that, The Spiritual Spiral, at Substack called The Spiritual Spiral. So you can find me over there on Substack. So got all of that out of the way. And this is, I'm excited today. I, I... wanted to talk about music, art, and I also want to talk about this idea of not giving a fuck. Yesterday, you know, you see the hashtag a lot, IDGAF. Yesterday I was riding my bike down 4th Street in Santa Monica, and this woman is next to me, and we're riding or driving forward, and all of a sudden she swerves to her right and nearly hits me. And we pull up to the light, And I look into her car, and of course, she's staring down at her phone. And I yell out, stay off of your phone. And she yells back at me, no, and just keeps looking at her phone. And there lies in the problem. I was actually so inspired by what happened that I wrote a long piece yesterday, an article that I'm going to try and get published. But I think we have a universal problem where this idea of IDGAF is actually applauded. It's looked up to like it's some heroic sort of behavior where I just don't give a fuck about anybody but myself. You know, I pick on Cardi B a lot, and it almost feels like this podcast of mine evolved out of my disdain for Cardi B. But to me, she does represent what is wrong with our culture. This idea of, I'm going to say or do whatever I want, and I don't give a fuck what people think about it. And that sort of attitude is being perpetuated every single day on social media, because you can tweet to Leonardo DiCaprio if you want. And more than likely, he doesn't read his tweets. You know, he has a PR person. Or you could reach out to John Mayer or John Legend or anybody that you follow on Facebook or Twitter. And if you don't really, if you're not sensitive like I am, or if if you just don't give a fuck, you're going to say or do whatever the hell you want, and you're just going to move on with your life. Meanwhile, the words that you say, the words that you write in your posts or your comments on social media, they can be hurtful. And... People don't think about, I know, Leo, people don't think about anybody else's feelings anymore. That's one of the huge, gigantic problems of our culture right now. People don't give a fuck. And I get frustrated that that type of behavior is really being perpetuated by our culture that we live in. I mean, Donald Trump obviously exudes that attitude. I'm just going to tweet out or say whatever the hell I want, and I don't care. People do it every single day, even while they're driving and texting at the same time and nearly running into me while I'm riding my bicycle. And I think it is a result of the world of Facebook, the world of social media, giving people the impression that they're celebrities. These platforms are created where you literally 
are filled with dopamine. You have all the filters, all the tools, the camera, the emojis, everything you possibly could want to sort of create a movie star-like persona. You can create a persona that isn't really necessarily you, but it's sort of like this alter ego version of you where you're more um, scantily clad or you swear more often. I mean, you can create any sort of persona you want and get away with it. And the things that you say face-to-face are not the same things that you say on a social media platform. It's sort of like this extension of road rage the reason why people have such road rage is when you're in your car and you're, you're sort of surrounded by windows and there's sort of this barrier there, you feel like you can say or get away with doing anything. But then the, the car stops and somebody walks out with a gun or the person ends up being like six foot eight and can kick your ass, you're going to think twice about what you can say. So these sort of invisible walls, the computer screens, the windows of a, of a car – they make people feel like they can say or do anything without any sort of consequences. And now while, you know, some person who's 6'10 might not walk out of their car and kick your ass, you know, you the words that you use very easily will emotionally affect somebody and they'll think about it and they'll get depressed. And ironically, and I've been talking about this for a couple months now, I keep saying and I predicted that there would be more depression and more suicide thanks to this whole coronavirus thing going on. Well, sure enough, in the Washington Examiner, just a couple days ago, an article comes out, California doctors say they've seen more deaths from suicide than coronavirus since the lockdown. The numbers are unprecedented. Dr. Michael, I have no idea what his last name is, of John Weir Medical Center in Walnut Walnut Creek, California. The doctor believes it's time for California officials to end the stay-at-home order and let people back out into their communities. Personally, I think it's time. I think originally this was put in place to flatten the curve and to make sure hospitals have the resources to take care of COVID patients. We have the current resources to do that, and our other community health is suffering. Casey Hansen, a trauma center nurse, says she's worried not only about the increased suicide attempts, but also about the hospital's ability to save as many patients as usual. What I have seen recently, I have never seen before. I have never seen so much intentional injury. Suicide has been an increasingly significant problem across the country as the coronavirus outbreak caused stay-at-home orders that led to unemployment and stress. By late March, more people had died in just one Tennessee county from suicide than had died in the entire state directly from the virus. I just, I just finished writing this article, and it sort of touches on this idea of not giving a fuck. And, you know, one could respond to me and say, Eddie, you know, look at what's going on right now with the virus. Everybody's staying home. People are wearing masks. They care about the elderly and people with compromised immune systems. So isn't the world so much more caring right now? And I would easily argue no. I think people are being manipulated to care. I think the media, for whatever the reason, has jumped on the story to make people think nonstop about the coronavirus. This coronavirus is suddenly more topical, more at the forefront of people's minds than any other issue. And it's not because people suddenly care. 
the media and politicians in the world has manipulated the world to care. If people really cared, this whole sort of energy towards the coronavirus, this attitude towards the coronavirus, we would have we would have felt the same about opioid addiction two years ago. We would have felt the same about gun violence. We would have felt the same about suicide, about heart disease, about cancer. It's almost like our culture cares when the media makes the decision to care. They have made it a point to make the coronavirus more important, more newsworthy than any other issue. And I would argue that this whole thing is going to end and people are going to go right back to how they were from the very beginning, you know, back to Netflix, back to being an asshole, back to saying whatever the fuck they want, back to scrolling on Instagram all day. I mean, it's sort of this vicious cycle where, you know, I even read that Netflix's biggest hurdle is people sleeping. And then I read another article where to actually enact and change, it requires at least six to 12 months of doing this new behavior over and over again. So this coronavirus is going to end. And during this coronavirus, you know what people are doing? They're spending more time on their phones, more time on Netflix, more time on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, more addiction. So this thing is going to end. And guess what? We're going to be right back to where we were before this whole thing started. And, you know, again, there's all this suffering going on around the world right now, just with, not just with people with the coronavirus, but people that have cancer aren't even going to get chemotherapy. More people are killing themselves. There's loneliness. There's depression. And, and, you know, I'm not saying I'm a predictor here or that I, I just know everything, but because I certainly don't. But ironically, during this pandemic where unemployment's at an all-time high, people are losing jobs, people are depressed, people are staying home, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, some of the richest billionaires in the world are even more rich. And this is just in Forbes just from uh, today. The super rich are a whole lot richer than they were two months ago. 25 of the wealthiest people on Forbes's list of the world's billionaires are worth a whopping $255 billion more than when the U.S. stock market hit a mid-pandemic low on March 23rd. Together, these 25 folks, Forbes looked at just those on the list with fortunes tied to public stocks, are worth nearly $1.5 trillion. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is the biggest dollar gainer among this rarefied group. Isn't that just so strange and unusual? Just four years ago when we were questioning Facebook's actions during the election and during political season, isn't it interesting where here we are about four, five, six months away from another election and what do you know but Mark Zuckerberg is becoming richer more influential and more powerful, all because of this pandemic. Just so interesting. You know, I do believe we will never know the cause or what's really going on, but it is a little strange when the billionaires are getting even richer and guys like Zuckerberg and Bezos are controlling even more of the world. 
So I'm going to play a clip from actually my own podcast. You know, I, I, and this is the thing, you know, I, I'm writing a book. I'm, I began my second book, and it's going to be about our culture and social media and how it's affecting us and turning human beings into robots and creating more idiots. And it's really affecting our culture more than I think anybody can even acknowledge or wants to acknowledge. So when I have a podcast guest on, you know, I really think about what we talked about. I was listening back to the conversation I had with Carmen, who's a musician here in L.A., Great guy, musician, producer. He's worked with incredible musicians like Alanis Morissette and Seal, Coldplay. So I'm going to play a clip of, of something that he something that he says, and then I'm going to share some thoughts. There is this attitude where I get the sense that people just don't think they have to pay for art anymore. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I just don't even think about it anymore. It's I'm so past that that you have to look at. You know, I always say you have to move sideways to move forward. Should it not even be a thought of one's mind, or it's just it's just what it is, and we just have to get over it? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I will always say people will steal music, they will steal technology, but they'll pay for knowledge, and that's something that people will always pay for knowledge. And you're seeing that now, where people are like the master class, like all these big actors and these, you know, like record producers and things or Hans Zimmer or whatever, you know, they're getting paid a lot of money, hopefully, to do these master classes um, or keynotes. So, but people will pay for knowledge as opposed to, it's a reflex to steal music. And I, I agree with Carmen. He's basically saying, you know, people just aren't paying for music anymore. And, and I want to write about this, about, you know, how did that happen where people just don't pay for music? And, you know, is it Napster ruining that whole concept of paying for albums? And so Carmen says, you know, people are willing to pay for knowledge. And, you know, I'm taking a class right now on Masterclass, and I'm really enjoying it. And I think I'm going to sign up and take more. It's really inspiring. It's, it's causing me to write more often. But let's, let's think back here. So Napster was this software program that, that was created that it was sort of this huge server, and people could file share and upload songs that they have, bootlegs, and they all go to this one server, and then anybody around the world can download that file for themselves. And that ultimately, I guess people began to think, well, why should I pay for this music anymore if I can just get everything for free? And I, you know, I get a little annoyed when Spotify says that they've saved the music industry, when the reality is, is that they haven't. This whole $10 a month that people pay, it turns out to be pennies. I mean, unless you're Drake or Coldplay, the amount of money that artists are making from Spotify plays is pennies. I have a friend, 10 million plays on one of his songs. Uh, it came to like $6. So Spotify has not saved the music industry. But I think to myself, Carmen says people are willing to pay for knowledge. But let's say somebody out there created a server or a program that was somehow able to get all of those master classes up into a public server where people could share them. Now, I, I don't know if you can download the master classes to your iPad or your phone. I certainly haven't tried. I haven't even looked. But let's say you can. Or let's say, 
LinkedIn Learning, or let's say you can download, I don't know, what's another, like an After Effects class from Photoshop or from your local college. I mean, who's to stop somebody right now from creating a server or a software program where all of the master classes are in the cloud and you could just steal those? I think to myself, right now people are willing to pay for knowledge on Masterclass, but if it was available for free, what percentage of people would steal it? And I get the sense that a vast majority at first, and then as people keep getting away with it, more and more people do it. And you know, at first, like Metallica went to the Supreme Court and tried to fight Napster, but ultimately technology is too powerful. And technology always wins. Technology doesn't give a fuck. They just keep moving, keep growing. They have more money than anybody. Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos are more powerful than ever. And they don't care. Napster didn't care about musicians and artists losing money. And ultimately, if somebody out there right now is going to create a software program that gets all the master classes up in the cloud and people can start stealing them, I guarantee you within... 12 months, 18 months, people are going to start stealing those. More people will steal them, and then it's going to be free. It just feels as though it's this strange combination of people's innate laziness. People don't appreciate the work that goes into songwriting, movie making. I mean, there's plenty of, pir- there's plenty of websites out there that play pirated movies in the theaters, or at least they did until obviously movie theaters were closed. I have friends that use them all the time. They're not publicly readily available like a Napster or they're not in the know like Napster was, but they're out there. And Netflix charging $10, $12 a month is also having an impact on the creative culture. It's, it's dwindling everything down. People just want everything. They don't appreciate the craft. They don't appreciate the quality of, of good art, good music. And is there anything we can do about it? You know, and, and Carmen says, you know, I've sort of gotten past it and I've gotten over it, this idea that people don't want to pay for music. But, you know, it, it's, it's really a bummer. And it really affects people's impression of artistry, what goes into craft, what goes into writing music and putting out an album, it's, it's all lost. That, that level of appreciation and admiration is lost. This process, and ironically, I just bought a record player and I want to get into playing records again. I just feel as though there's this mad push to consume, consume, not pay, not appreciate, I mean, if museums were free, you know, would people go? I, I just, I don't know. Where, where's this coming from? And I'm, I'm just trying to explore that idea of, of what technology is doing to people's attitude and impression towards the world around us. And I'm specifically focusing on art and artistry. And I'm going to talk next episode about Quibi a little bit and this amazing conversation that Uh, Kara Swisher had with Ryan Murphy, who's a famous movie producer, television producer. He did American Horror Story. He did Glee. Uh, He's doing the current show Hollywood on Netflix right now. So I'm going to talk about that next episode. But if you want, just to sort of get a little head start, head over to Kara Swisher, 
Her show is called Recode Decode, and listen to the episode where she's speaking to Ryan Murphy, because I'm going to talk about that on my next podcast. So expect a lot of exciting stuff from me. Newsletters, again, iameddiecone.com. Head over there, sign up. Got some new music I'm working on. I'm going to talk a little bit about that also in the next couple of days. I had an amazing day yesterday writing, and then today was just terrible. And it's it's funny. It just ebbs and flows. Uh, if you dig the show, head over to iTunes. Give it a review, a five-star. Reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Eddie Cohn and say hello. Got some guests lined up, but not for at least a week or two. I'm sort of kind of getting involved in writing a little bit more right now, so I'm, I'm holding off on bringing in some guests right now, but they should be coming up very soon. So as always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.